everyone. Happy New Year and welcome back to Awkward Insurance. I am Dustin Bryant and on this episode we have a conversation with Nikki Wyatt recorded back in October of last year. Nikki is so much fun and we had a blast sharing awkward Uber stories and talking all about transportation network coverages. I hope you enjoy it. Thank you for joining me on this podcast. I want to introduce you today the most fabulous claims person you will ever meet, Miss Nikki Wyatt. She is a Penn National Claims Service Office team leader and has been with Penn Nat for 25 years, which is pretty daggum amazing considering most people don't have a one employer history. And she's been a CIC with the National Alliance since 2018 and teaching with the National Alliance since this year, which has been probably a really fun process to learn how to teach with everything that is going on in our environment right now. Nikki, thank you so much for joining me today. Good morning. I'm so glad to be here with you, Dustin. I'm looking forward to this conversation with you. Oh, I am too. I am so excited. We are talking today about transportation network coverage, which is always a fun conversation to have on the agent side of things with your clients. It's been an evolutionary process from when they first started to where we are now, which is in a much more comfortable place, if you'll ask me. Um, But that's what we're going to talk about today. And I can't wait to hear your side of the story um, being in claims because claims are just always so much fun. But I want to give you uh, a little moment to just tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, like you said, I've been um, I've been handling claims for Penn National since 1995. Um, this is my 25th year. I uh, I've just turned 50 this year, so this was my, my big year of 2020. Was turning 50 and 25 years with Penn National. But, um, I know, I know. I have two wonderful children. They are one just, the last one just finished college, so I'm free with that, thank goodness. Um, I live in, you know, in North Carolina is where I'm from, and um, just love what I do with claims. Claims is a, you have to either love it or hate it. There's really not an in-between when you get into that service. Um, I absolutely have such a passion for it and love what I do. It's never a boring day. Like you said, claims are fun. Um, They can be draining, but there's always a good story to take home if you need to. (laughs) And there's just so much involved with claims because you not only get to, I kind of envy you a little bit, you not only get to handle the fun, nerdy insurance piece of it, but then you also get to connect with the client and fix everything that's gone wrong. And that is always something that I look forward to as an agent is when a client called me and had a problem and I got to fix it and all was right with the world again. It's just the best feeling in the world to be able to fix somebody's problem. It, it absolutely is. And that's what your passion has to be, especially in claims. Um, and I tell my adjusters all the time is that you could have a hundred people that you talk to today and they're all yelling at you. They're unhappy with you. Um, something has gone wrong in their life or you're not giving them the information that they want or want to hear. But then you have that one person who calls in and you're able to actually be empowered enough or have the ability to move them forward, whether in their claim or help them somewhere in their life. And, um, and that for me, it's like giving me that little crumb of the cake. I don't need the whole cake. I just need the little crumb to get me going to the next day. So if you can find your passion in that, that's exactly what you need to have, especially if you're going to be in a claims environment or any service environment, I would think, especially these days. Um, as we all know, 2020 has been a little crazy. So not only have we been a little more on edge as individuals and claims people and employees, so how are the people that we're dealing with every day? So it's, there's been a lot of adjustments that have to go into that as well. Now, we are both from the South. I'm in Arkansas and you're in North Carolina. Do you live in North Carolina or do you cross borders anywhere? No, no, no. There's, a, there's That's why they have borders around North Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> so we're both from the South. Is it the same for you as it is for me? My favorite were the, just the sweetest, older clients that I had, but they're always so appreciative and they've got the honeys and the sweeties. And, you know, once you fix their problem, like we were saying, you're like a God to them. You've just made everything better. And so they were always, they were always my favorite. I, I agree. I agree. My staff will always laugh at me because they know when I'm speaking to someone um, that may be elder, I'm trying to help. And I like, I'm almost feeling like I'm helping my grandparents get through a situation. And I think I turn on my Southern accent a little more 
And, oh, you bet um, you. you know, yeah, yeah, you get, you're a little more Southern. You're just, you know, yes, ma'am, no, sir. Those kind of things are going on. And um, and then I'll just get off the phone. And I'll go, I think I'm in love with an 80-year-old man or, you know, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> yeah, that's they so are, true. They're so appreciative. They're so appreciative and so sweet of everything. And um, I have found with the older clients, too, and I'm sure you understand this, is that they get, a, it, at first, they can get a little more frustrated because they're, they feel like um, they're not understanding, which, you know, there's just a little more of, of a frustration that you'll feel from them. So if you just take the time and help them through the process, because um, as we know, the processes have changed over the years so much, even from when I started, and technology is so crazy, you know, when you're speaking to those people and go, hey, what's your email address? And they're like, I don't use email. I don't text. <laughs> I don't have a cell phone. You know, you're like, okay, well, I will send you a letter and we'll put a stamp <laughs> on it. And we're going to mail it right to you. <laughs> right. I love that you said that your Southern accent probably comes out more. You know, I do a lot to hide my Southern accent as much, mm. as much as I can. But you're so right. When you get on the phone, with your elderly clients, man, it comes out so thick. <laughs> yeah. And you bring That's in the darlings and the, oh, thank yous and the yes ma'ams and the no ma'ams just, you know, it's over the top. I love it. I, I kind of miss it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I know. I do too. I had, to, I remember a gentleman who, bless his heart, he had a total loss vehicle and he called me, he's from Alabama, he's from Birmingham, Alabama. So he calls and he's got the thickest southern accent and just you can just tell who's just always been a good old boy kind of guy and you know I said where do you live and he said I live in Birmingham and I said you live in Birmingham Alabama and then he said yes ma'am I do and I said well let me tell let me pull up that address and tell you where to go and he just thought that was the greatest thing in the world but you know you just have to he was just the sweetest man so I, I pretty much think I talked him all the way into the DMV and getting all that title work done but they're fun. They're fun people. All right. So as much as we love our elderly clients, they're not the ones that are driving around in these transportation <laughs> network vehicles. Um, so to kind of get the conversation started, I'm going to talk about our first experiences with transportation network. I know I was not on board with it at first. It was very unusual to get into a car with a stranger. This is never going to take off. You know, how crazy is this? We have taxi cabs and vehicles. But we're from the South where we've also got garages and, and driveways and everything. And people in big cities, they don't have that. And parking spaces are like a piece of real estate all on their own. So, you know, mm. at times that 2020, I see how it kind of evolved in the bigger cities first. What is your first experience in a ride share? Mm, okay. When I first started learning about Uber and so forth, my daughter had just gone off to college. Um, she was down at um, Coastal Carolina in South Carolina, and it's her freshman year, and she just kept saying, we're just getting Ubers, we're getting Ubers, and I'm like, what is an Uber? Like, I don't even know what you're talking about, and this is like, I think this was 2014, it would have been her freshman year, so 2014, and she would send me these videos of them in the Uber, and Dustin, there's like seven girls in a four, you know, four-person car, and oh I'm like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and let's be honest, they're freshmen in college. You know, they're not the, you know, the, they're probably not the soberest thing in the world either. You know what I mean? So they're, <laughs> they're having a great time. They're sitting on each other's laps. You know, they're in this stranger's car, first of all, which, you know, when you send your daughter off to college, this is not what you want her to be doing. I'm and, getting anxiety uh, listening to this story. <laughs> so they're all in there. They're singing. They're carrying on. The music is loud. I'm, I'm thinking about this poor driver, first of all, this having, has seven girls in his car sitting on laps and so forth. But that was, that was kind of when I first realized there was something out there like Uber. And then my very first experience with them was probably... And maybe about a year later, I was in Nashville with my soon-to-be husband now and um, my brother and my sister-in-law. So we were staying at the hotel. Of course, we just Uber downtown. Um, if you guys have ever been to Nashville, I'm sure you have. It's, you know, you're having a good time when you're going to Nashville. Right. So we Uber down. And, I, you know, all we're thinking about is the excitement of getting downtown. I'm not thinking about being an Uber. I'm not thinking about insurance, any of that. So we go and we spend the day in downtown Nashville, have a great time. 
it's time for us to go back. We've probably been down there six or seven hours. So I've had a couple beers, that kind of thing. And we get back into the car with the Uber. Well, then my brain starts working. I don't know why after a few beers, my brain is going to work more than, you know, when I don't have that. Everybody so, believed uh, that though, right? That's right. <laughs> so I get in this car and I start talking to the driver. And I'm like, oh, you know, and I always talk to my drivers. Of course, my husband is always like, stop talking to people. Quit asking them questions because I just love finding out about people. So I'm like, how long have you been driving for Uber? And then it just hits me and I'm like, what's this person doing about insurance? So I asked him, I said, um, you know, do you have the, your own insurance? And he said, yeah, I've got my, you know, insurance on the car. And I said, your personal auto policy? And he said, yeah. I said, so you own this car, right? And he said, right. And I said, well, okay, don't stop have for just other- a second. You're doing this, you're, you're risk managing and advising on how many beers at this point? Yeah. <laughs> do, I to, do I have to say how many beers I had? Let's just say we were down there for like six or seven hours. You <laughs> okay. Well, my husband's a police officer. And usually when he asks somebody, how many drinks have you had? It's one, but what they don't say is it's like a 64 ounce one. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. We had pretty much hit every bar and down in lower Broadway. So I'm just going to just say that. <laughs> oh, so, so you're asking, he's saying something about his personal auto policy and all these, I could just see it already because all the red flags are going off, especially if this right. is so many years ago. Right, right. And, um, and I said, I said, oh, I said, well, um, you know, what would happen if you got in a wreck? And he goes, oh, well, my personal auto policy, you know, would just cover everything. Well, I know better than that. It's Did you so, ask him where he I got that information from? Because, you know, somebody's policy is going to cover him if his agency said that. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, no, I didn't. I didn't take it any further because by that time, I, everybody else in the car is kind of eyeballing me. Like, could you just be quiet for two oh, seconds? Oh, yeah, and, come uh, on, Nikki. <laughs> So, but in my head, I'm like, this is a nightmare. This is an absolute nightmare. And I got to get back to work on Monday. And this is the first thing I need to be addressing with my team because I just kept thinking if we got into a wreck and, you know, and he's at fault and there's, some of us are injured and so forth, we're not going to have coverage for this. Right. But Will the adjuster know, because this was still so new in, you know, in our environment, will the adjuster know to even ask that question? To right. even ask, ask, hey, you know, I mean, who's to say, yeah, I had three people in my car. You're not going to ask, are you driving for, you know, a TNC or you, those, those words weren't even really around back then. All right. That wasn't even relevant then. Like who even knew what right. a TNC was? I mean, that's all in yeah. the policy now. Like it specifically says, this is what a TNC is. And had yeah. to be rightfully so, because everybody's like, so go ahead and give me the boundaries of what a TNC is. <laughs> right. That's, that's exactly right. And so in my head, oh my God, have we handled claims here in the past, you know, like in the past six months or the year? where we paid for things and they were actually driving, um, you know, for hire. And I mean, my brain is just going, going, going. So, so that was kind of my first experience of me realizing, oh my gosh, have we responded as, um, you know, as the insurance world and insurance professionals to what's going on in the world? Of course, I'm always worried about, you know, the company I work for, are we there? Do, you know, have we put the proper things into line to make sure that we are um, handling this? You know, the one thing you'll you'll find if you work for claims departments is that you sometimes are last invited last to the party. Um, so usually product management, underwriting, um, you know, those departments are already working on things of where the world is changing and they are um, either trying to quickly get caught up with it or they're ahead of the game. Um, so that was my question when I went back to work is like with underwriting is like, hey, are we, what are we doing to take care of this? And then of course, talking to product management, are we aware of, you know, of this exposure that now could be out there for some of our insureds, so on and so forth. And they were kind of on top of that. But um, I was like, just in my head, just in, in my head the entire time. And, and I'm the same way now when I get into an Uber, even though I know that a lot of that gap has been closed, supposedly. Right. Um, then I'm still in my head just thinking constantly as to, um, you know, because I, I see the world, you know, almost like a risk management. Everywhere I look, there's a liability that could happen. Um, right. so I'm 
hyperly aware of all of that. So I'm constantly like just analyzing. And I'm asking people all kinds of questions. I still do it when I get into an Uber. When I came to Austin <laughs> a few weeks ago, I was riding an Uber and I'm still asking the guy about his insurance policy. And they probably think, shut up. Ladies, I don't have to tell you all of our information, you know, which they normally don't. They'll just say, I'm probably insured. I'm like, okay. Probably, you know what? That's that's a really common answer. I'm probably insured. And you're like, but are you sure you're insured? Yeah, yeah, are you sure? If you have your policy with you, I'll look it over real quick. <laughs> just so I know I'm safe. Not to give you advice, just so I know I'm safe. <laughs> oh my gosh. So transportation networks. I think everybody is really familiar with the brand names. Uber is, I think, the number one transportation network, followed by Lyft. Um, and then there's some more that are that are up and coming. There's Via, and then there's Curve. Uh, so most consumers are going to be most familiar with the Uber and the Lyft. And I'm personally, I'm a very visual person, and anything that's really pretty, I'm attracted to it. So I'm attracted mm -hmm. to the Lyft model because of their really pretty purple sign. Right. <laughs> And I right. love seeing their little their little pill sign in the in the dashboard that just lights up all kinds of pretty. Um, and so then there's also one called Via, which is really it's unique, but it kind of piques my risk manager, and I know it will yours. So the Via is a unique one that encourages actually encourages drivers to continue accepting fares into their car along their route. Can you say distraction much? <laughs> oh. so they're incentivized with higher commission rates if they pick up more riders along the way. So me as a consumer, if I'm thinking about that, number one, I want to get to where I'm going as quickly as possible. Can we please not stop every five feet and pick up a new fare? But also, I'm a little bit of an introvert. I don't want somebody sitting next to me. Right. Especially in today's world. Yeah. Don't don't touch me. Get away from me. Yeah. Right. And then there's Curb, which is actually working to bring legitimate yellow cab type drivers back into the situation, which they're they're probably going to be the safest as far as insurance goes, because they've got their commercial driver's license endorsements. And they're also going to be backed by their, um, whatever their company's policies are as well. So they're going to be able to use the platforms the same way that all of these other personal platforms are using it. My, this is really funny, my personal experience, very first, I, again, I was really resistant to it. I'm not getting in a car with a stranger. This makes no sense, especially not in Arkansas. We've got our own cars. I'm never going to have to use one of these. Yeah, never mm -hmm. say never. We ended up in, in Florida, Disney World with our kids. We had actually just um, adopted our, our first child and she was maybe six at the time that we went to Disney. And Disney had just started using, have you heard of the minivan? Are you no. your Disney language? Okay, so there's, they use Lyft, but they designed their, so they go through the platform of Lyft and, but okay. the cars that they use, of course it's Disney. So everything has to be Disney themed. Is, is a van that's painted with red and white polka dots to look like Minnie Mouse. And then, of course, they pipe in Disney music. So sure. you, use the, you use the app. Well, I had no idea how to use the app to begin with. I had never been <laughs> in a ride share. So I think we're about to, it's 25 bucks a pop. And you're like, okay, fine. We're in Disney. We're already spending bukus of money. We're going to stay in Disney. The kids aren't going to know any different. It's just a Disney van, right? Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to use the app. And we end up in a legitimate lift, like non-themed Disney lift comes to pick us up. And we're suddenly stuck here with our kids. And, and the one that we had just adopted, um, of course, she had experienced some stuff and she's very familiar with strangers. So now we're starting to teach her stranger danger. You know, and here we are getting into a car with strangers. Right. <laughs> we're like, right. uh, so we get yeah. in. All right. And, you know, you get your driver's name. And yeah, I'm coming up with something really quick on the spot. And we get in and I'm like, hey, Mike, it's been so long since I've seen you kids. Mike and I have known each other since college. And this guy is looking at me in his rearview mirror like, I'm sorry, what's happening? <laughs> but he's going to, you know, he's lived in Florida and he's going to go ahead and take us over to the Magic Kingdom. Everybody say hi, Mike. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. So I it real quick, though, because I put in a plug. I'm like. You know, kids, we just, we don't get into cars with strangers, but Mike is not a stranger. He agreed to come and pick us up today. So <laughs> yeah. he's, 
he's my best friend. <laughs> well, then it's time to go home. And I'm like, oh, crap. I don't think we're going to get Mike again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like the third ride that week oh where my, my older daughter was like, mom, you don't know these people, do you? <laughs> like, <laughs> um, But, you know, after that experience, it was great. We didn't ever get back into the minivan. The lift was so much cheaper than the 25 bucks a pop. But then I got so much more familiar with it that anytime I traveled, I'm like, I'm calling a lift because this is yeah. really cool. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if, I don't know if lift is the same way and you may know this, but I know when they first started, they were, they were like a, a for women drivers. They were, um, they were employing women. Okay. I don't know if they're. I don't think they're still doing that, but at first that's what the company was made for was for women. And I think that the platform of that initially was women feeling safe, you know. Um, you know what? Maybe that's why I love the purple bubble so much because it was yeah. branded towards a female. That's a really interesting, oh, that's really cool. I like that. Yeah, and I, I doubt very seriously that they're still that way because, you know, um, I'm sure the money is now, it's more of a thing for them. So they'll let anybody drive for them. But I think that's how they initially started out was to, to support women. First of all, to support women professionally. And then second of all, so other women would feel comfortable riding with the women that they hired kind of thing. You know, now yeah. I feel a little upset that I was tricked into their branding. Don't you, do you ever feel upset when you're like, oh my gosh, that red color got me. <laughs> exactly. Marketing 101 exactly. and I fell for it. <laughs> Exactly. Well, it's like, it's like buying a, a bad bottle of wine that you bought just because the label was so cute, you know? <laughs> right. Well, that yeah. would make me really upset. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. So my first experience with a transportation network as an agent um, is a very odd little man mm -hmm. that was in our agency and he was always doing weird stuff like this, which at the time, you know, this is maybe, what are we, we're 2020 now? This is maybe five, six years ago when this stuff wow. started up. So the first, the first transportation network was in 2009 and it started with Uber and they actually first branded themselves as Uber cab, which makes sense because I don't think a lot of people were going to get into a car if they didn't have the association of being in a cab. So as an agent, this, this little guy calls and he's, you know, we're starting to hear about the transportation network stuff. And it's kind of one of those things where you just don't talk about it. You avoid it because there's no coverage and there's no endorsements for it. And if you tell a personal lines client that you are probably going to have to get a commercial lines auto policy, then you're dashing their, their hopes and dreams of this extra income, right? Because commercial lines policies aren't cheap. Right. So this odd little guy calls in and he's like, well, yeah, I'm, I'm getting a new car. I need to know how much it costs. And so we go through that and he's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to be driving for Uber. And then it's just, it's one of the, the, the very first one that happens as an agent right. and you're not prepared for it. And you're like, oh yeah. So yeah, sure there's not coverage on your policy for that. I'm going to have to get back with you and consult with my commercial department and see what we can do. And then you, you go through, we went through progressive because I mean, he wasn't a commercial account. And so it's not like you can go to the big commercial companies. They're not going to write something really small like that. And uh, you know, it's a really hefty premium. Well, then of course you hear it. You hear the sadness and the, what do you mean? I have to pay that much. That's not, I'm not even going to get paid that much, you know? So that was my first experience as an agent. I can only imagine you had told your story already about how you first started realizing you know, three beers deep that you, you're getting into this Lyft or Uber or whichever it was. And you're suddenly going, ah, where's the coverage? I need to go back to my company and talk to my team about this. So that right. has evolved over the years, thankfully. Um, you know, when coverage wasn't there on the personalized auto policy, these transportation network companies stepping up a little bit and providing some coverage. But then there was the hot button item that could be litigated about where coverage started and stopped. Um, and so then I, I'm sure you're very familiar with this because you are, again, the most awesome claims person anyone will ever meet. <laughs> You know, there's, there's three stages that go along with this. There's the stage of when you're on your app, and I'm so happy that you brought up, you know, the questions that your adjusters need to be asking. There's the three stages. There's when you're on your app waiting mm -hmm. to accept a fare, that's stage one. Then stage two is a fare 
that you've accepted and now you're driving and going to pick that person up. And then there's stage three, the customers in the car. So the the transportation network companies bought their commercial lines policies and said, you know what? There is a gap in coverage. You don't have coverage under uh, liability, physical damage, med pay for livery or conveyance. And for those of uh, those listeners that don't know, livery has nothing to do with a body organ. It has everything to do with delivery of persons or service for a fee. When I was a brand new agent, I'm like, what is a livery? Since when are we into the butcher business <laughs> on the personal auto policy? No, it's delivery of persons are good for a fee. Um, it's your yellow cab, livery or conveyance. Um, and so there are exclusions in the personal auto policy for that. So the transportation network said, we're going to provide you with coverage for stages two and stages three. When you accept your fare, you are now on our clock. And when you have somebody in your car, obviously you're on our clock because you've got somebody in your car for you. So then that's when insurance companies started coming up with, thankfully, they didn't just flat out reject everything. I, you know, if it were me, I'd, I'd remain obstinate and just be like, I ain't covering it. But they didn't do that. They looked out for the interest of the consumer, which is really nice of them. And they started adding coverage, first exclusions, then coverage that you could purchase. <laughs> Nothing comes without a price tag that you can purchase for stage one. So, which is being on the app. You've got your personal auto policy while you're on the app. This part confuses me though, because you're right. Your adjusters have to be asking the right questions. And I'm not a transportation network driver at all, but I know what my habits are on my phone. And if I were a transportation network driver, I could see me sitting in my car, maybe on my way to work. And I'm mean, like, you know what? I'm just going to open up my app real quick and see if anybody's waiting. I, I don't even know if I want to pick anybody up, but all of a sudden I've got a coverage issue if I don't have TNC endorsements on my policy. So let's talk about that. As, as you know, I flip through apps habitually. How do insurance companies know? How do your adjusters know? Or what questions do you ask? On an average, like, claim, there's nobody in the car yet. You were just, how do you even know that somebody's on their app? Well, that, that's a great question, Dustin. That is absolutely a great question. And this is something I really try to hone in because a lot of my adjusters, um, just to give you a little background on this too, a lot of my adjusters, I bring in a lot of trainees. So this may be their first job they've ever had. Definitely their first insurance job they've ever had, first claims job they've ever had. So trying to drill into them early into their career that these, you know, you need to ask, you know, did you have passengers in your car? And then the next question, if that, if that is a yes or, or whatever, it, um, you need to ask the question, you know, do you drive for a TNC, con you know, a company of that sort? However, let me just say to you, it's still a new thing. It's still a, a very new thing in our industry. It's not something automatic. Even a seasoned adjuster may not think to ask that. So, right. Well, I mean, how can you even prove it? I guess you... I guess you could call the company and be like, hey, were they logged in? But like I said, what if they were just flipping through apps? Or what if they left right. their app open in the background on their phone? Yeah. And that, I mean, and you know, and, and that's that's the thing, and that's the that's the challenge that you know I think claims professionals are having is, is number one, you know, we're all creatures of habits. And so, you know, I've been doing this for so long that I know that if I'm going into an investigative process of a claim. I've pretty much am asking the same questions that I was taught day one. You know, I mean, you're going to listen to people with their answers and you're obviously going to dig deeper and you get deeper. And as time goes on, you learn the extra questions to ask. But when you're trying to take some, especially seasoned adjusters and add in, hey, we got one more question, one more level we may need you to ask, that can be very easily forgotten. And that's just human nature. That has nothing to do with people's talents, their intelligence, how good they are, how bad they are as adjusters has nothing to do with that. That is just human nature knowing what your next question is going to be when you're doing an investigation. So right. really trying to just keep it on the forefront with my employees, like, hey, let's talk about this. And that's why I kind of, you know, created some, um, you know, when I started creating uh, classes and PowerPoints and stuff like that for my team, just so that they, you just have to talk about it. You know, and, and I think Uber and Lyft and, um, you know, we can talk about the, the DoorDashes and the Uber Eats, you know, because those are a little bit different in nature as well. But those are so much into our life now. 
So trying to pull right, what especially right now when everything's right. shut down and you know, a lot of even restaurant, I guess it's kind of like the evolution of the consumer being afraid to use the the transportation networks. Restaurants weren't really on board with these delivery services at all. Like you might you might walk up to a restaurant and see a little sign here. And you're thinking, why isn't everybody in this area delivering in some way or another, especially when it's so easy to just yes. contract with one? And now COVID hit and all of a sudden everybody is shut down and they well, now they now it's a very viable option to keep their business open. So it's very prevalent right. today. Yeah, but most definitely. So trying to move real, your real life situations into, you know, that professional uh, Q&A that we have to do on claims. Um, and, and again, I just try to keep it in their mind, keep it in their forefront. And if they're talking to me about a certain claim that they're bringing to me, you know, I will ask them the question. I try to push back and go, well, look, this sound, you know, were they driving for Uber? Um, and if you don't ask the question, you know, people aren't going to tell. Like you were telling your story about the gentleman coming into, into your um, office and letting you know he was going to drive for a TNC. Imagine how many insureds don't do that or right. don't think to do that. Number one, right. they don't want to have to buy the extra endorsement, even though it, it's not that expensive, I don't believe. Now, I don't sell these endorsements, but I, I think when I researched it, it wasn't that expensive. But they don't want the extra expense. And, you know, a lot of times your insureds don't want you to know what they're doing. Um, right. That's what they, right. That's so, why I was asking. How do you know when somebody's logged into their app? Because from the agent side, we've got to ask a whole lot of qualifying questions right up front. And there's a fine line that we walk as customer service agents and producing agents about how many questions you can get an insured to answer right. <laughs> before oh, yeah. they're like, I don't want coverage with you if you're going to be this nosy, yeah. <laughs> you know? Right. And that's right. one of them. Like, what is, what is your profession? A lot of them, to be honest with you, a lot of the questions, if there are consumers out here listening to this, a lot of the questions that your agents ask you are not always because they're trying to restrict your coverage. Sometimes it's because they're trying to get you discounts. <laughs> so go ahead and answer the question. Where do you work? Exactly. How high of an education do you have? All of that stuff comes back to some discounts. But then there's these that we need to make sure. You, you know, you said that consumers don't always know to ask the questions well, or, or to know to tell the information. You don't know to tell what you don't know to tell. So it's the same exactly. with questions. You don't know what questions to ask if you don't know what questions to ask. Um, so that's right. the agent's responsibility, especially if one is being a good insurance advisor and not just a salesperson, an insurance yes. salesperson to be able to get those most important questions out there, especially with this being such, and if you're in a big city, then it needs to be like one of the number one questions that you ask in Arkansas and not so much. <laughs> right. We just don't right. have a lot around it. I get on the app every once in a while I ain't going anywhere, but I get on the app just to see how many cars there are around me because I'm curious as to how big this industry is in Arkansas. It's just not, yeah. but in yeah. Nashville yeah. and Dallas and Disney World, you know, it's huge. So you need to ask those questions on on the front end. Yeah, and I would think too, you know, and I and I, I say this too. Um, and imagine the nightmare, and you'll understand this because I can only imagine what this would be. But imagine the nightmare. Not only do you need to be asking it for uh, for your new policies, but I would think for renewals on your personal yep. auto policies, you need to follow up with that. And again, I can't imagine how many renewals an agent will have come through their office every year, especially your bigger agencies for a personal auto policy. But people's lives change, as you know. So when a renewal comes up, you know, do you take the time with every renewal and ask, hey, you know, the ones that make sense, are you driving you know, for any kind of TNC companies, are you engaged in that business? Because more and more people are doing it. And the most professional people, people that you wouldn't think would drive for Uber or Lyft, you know, um, are out there doing that because it's a, they can make their own schedule and do their own thing. And especially this year with so many people, um, you know, losing their jobs, um, I, th that's an easy pickup right there is to start driving for a TNC. It absolutely is. You know, as far as the agency goes, I know in the agency that I worked in and I absolutely adore and still, you know, consider myself a teammate there, even though I'm not there anymore. We had some really good standard operating procedures as far as renewals go. When you've got big books of business, you can't reach out to every client, every renewal. Um, and you definitely want to follow a good rule of 80-20 um, rule for making sure that you connect with your most profitable clients 
but you also still have an obligation and a duty to make sure that every single one of your insureds knows that there are risks out there that we need to be aware of. So we had a questionnaire that would go out to our clients, whether it was email or mail for those that you know didn't have the email um, that would ask, you know, have there been any updates? Do you want to talk about this coverage or that coverage? But as you were talking, I'm sitting here thinking, I don't, in all of my years of sending that form out, I don't think it was ever updated to include mm-hmm. a transportation network. To say, have you started driving for Uber or Lyft or anything like uh-huh. that? And that would be a great question to add on, right. onto that type of questionnaire. Claims is probably one of the most ambiguous zones for a CSR or even a producer. If you have good operating procedures in an agency, um, it is best practice for a customer service agent or a producing agent to send that claim call directly over to claims when it's received. Sometimes we take the claims a little bit personally because there are clients and yes, we want to hold their hands and we want to be there for them, but that is a, a slippery, twisty black hole towards an ENO. If you're on the phone with a client and you start talking about what coverage you may or may not have, especially right at the time of a claim, because there's a lot of emotions charged there. You want to make it right for the insured as quick as possible. You want to give them a little bit of assurance before the claims adjuster calls them after turning and let them know that everything's going to be okay. And if you do that, you might fall into the hole of saying you're going to have coverage and well, then you will have coverage because that ENO policy will step in for you. So I want to ask you again, it's best practice for a CSR or producing agent to say, got your back. I'm going to turn this claim in for you and then let those licensed claim adjusters handle that. Are there any now we know that there's the endorsements that are out there, but if you have the endorsement and uh, you've obviously got the coverage from the the transportation network company, are there any gaps that are left at this moment, or is there something that insurance advisors can go? You've got the coverage, but I still need you to know this little piece right here is missing for you. Is there anything like that out there still? Well, you know, the, the endorsements do a, a great job of really uh, closing that gap from what I've seen. Now, I will say that, that my company, we do not offer that endorsement. So we, right now at this point, we have decided we're not um, going to do that. And that's in the states I handle. I don't know what the northern states do or not. But the states I handle, which are our southeast, you know, we're not in the business of, of with that endorsement. So I have not gotten the day in, day out of how that endorsement calculates out with with an actual claim. But, you know, from what I do with my research of the the endorsements I do see out there, they're doing a really good job of closing that gap. I have not seen anything between the endorsement, between the personal auto policy, the endorsement, and then the coverage that you're going to have with the TNC. There's not anything huge. I think more so for an agent, you just want to make sure that you have got, you know, the limits, pretty much the endorsement limits are matching your PAP limits because I think, as you know, even though that you may have your app on and no one in the car with you yet, you know, the TNC will provide some coverage. A lot mm-hmm. of that is not, um, you don't get physical damage coverage for that, but, you know, you've got lower limits. States make sure it's at least um, to meet the financial responsibility of that state. I think the states have done a really good job of, of stepping in to make sure that if you're going to be a TNC in, in their state, that they are, um, that you've got certain requirements. I think they're doing great at that to protect the consumer. Um, and I the know I've seen some states actually add um, legislation that if you're going to do TNC, it's required for you to tell yeah. your insurance company. Yes. Um, and then the insurance companies are doing a really good job at making sure that their clients aren't just minimally covered because some of these companies are actually saying, if you're going to add this endorsement, they, they come with some stipulations. You can only have one car on the policy that does this because mm-hmm. we really don't want to be insuring an entire fleet. Right. right. Um, oh, absolutely. But it, yeah. Right. But then you have to have a minimum liability of X, you know, 50, 150, you know, whatever it is in sure. order for you to carry this endorsement. So if it was somebody and, and I can see that happening, especially right now when times are a little iffy, budgets are running low, somebody calls their insurance agent, I want state minimum limits, and, you know, hopefully that agent says no, <laughs> very right. firmly, but, you know, they're going to run out the door and they're going to do it anyways, but somebody uh, who has state minimum limits, if they're going to be taking on this risk 
uh, some of those insurance companies are going, well, great, but state minimum limits aren't going to fit this endorsement. You need to have a little right. higher coverage than that, uh, which yeah, still exactly. it's not very much. In my opinion, as an insurance advisor, if you're going to be taking on such a risk like this, you need to have the most coverage you can have, not just uh, what somebody says is the minimum limit for it. Absolutely. Especially when you have people you don't know in and out of your vehicle all day long. That's that's the scary part about it. Um, and that's that's one of the things that I think is is human is people ourselves who are using the service or those that work for the service and um and just insurance professionals. You don't know who is going in and out of that car every day and what kind of actions. I mean, you remember I was telling you the story. Can you imagine being the Uber driver and you got seven college girls, you know, going out for the night or coming home from the night. Right. I don't think you, you know, can do that anymore. <laughs> and all the distractions that go along with that, for goodness sake. Um, that's, you know, th these are things to be concerned about most definitely. And that's what makes my heart pound a little, a little faster every time I start thinking about it. I'm like, oh my goodness. But it's, um, and then, you know, you've got your, your companies like, uh, you know, Uber Eats and DoorDash and so forth. And they're, you know, the gap between the, the personal auto policy and what they offer or is even wider, you know, like right. if you, unless you actually have that food in the car with some of these TNCs, unless that food or, or whatever it is that you're picking up is in your car, you don't, you have no, no coverage whatsoever with your TNC and you don't have it with your personal auto policy because your app is turned on and you're supposedly working. And we had a claim like that. And I'm going to tell you with a company who, who is not writing that TNC endorsement, you know, to add on to the PAP, there's just some hard conversations to have with people. Yeah. Um, you know, this guy was driving with DoorDash and got into an accident and he was at fault. And there was a third party that was also involved in this. He, his app was on, he had just turned his app on, maybe two minutes later, gets into a, oh a, a car wreck. And, you know, now we're dealing with his vehicles totaled, someone else's vehicles totaled, and there's an injury. And he has no coverage for that. Oh my gosh. All no, because your ass. app is turned on. Holy crap. If, if there yeah. is any one piece of advice, I guess, that you could tell your client about when you don't have coverage, it's dude, do not turn that app on <laughs> until yeah. you are ready. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it, that, the thing was, he was ready. He was ready to go. They just hadn't hired him for anything. But, you know, our, our definition, and you made a great point earlier, Dustin, too, that you know, it's all up for litigation. Who knows how the, the courts are going to come into this one day when you run into these situations, but, um, and how all that's going to be interpreted. But, you know, the way, we're, the way we're interpreting it right now is that you've turned that app on and you said, hey, I'm here for work just because someone hasn't given you the business. Or even so, if you're with like, um, you know, you're with one of these that don't give coverage when the app is on. So for, um, but my research that I've seen with DoorDash, so your app is on, you've been called to go pick something up, you're driving to go get it picked up, you still do not have coverage until that food is in the car and you're on the oh way to the customer's gosh. house. Wow. That's a huge gap. And, and, that and is. No one thinks about that. Yeah. You've got, well, at that point, you have to have the app on in order to even accept the, right. the, the request. And right. I don't know how those apps work, but could you turn the app off at that point? <laughs> just saying. And then I'm still really curious, how does an insurance company know, you know, I mean, because I'm just saying human nature, if you know where right. these gaps exist, right. hey, you know, claims adjuster, hey, Mr. Insurer, do you work for Uber Eats? Yes, I do. Did yeah. you have your app turned on? Nope. Sure didn't. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. And and you're usually not going to, you know, I mean, in our world of environment, we'd love to be able to think that we would have all the time to contact Uber Eats or, or Lyft or DoorDash or something and say, hey, can you just send us their log for the day? Who Really? And and I don't know, to be honest with you, how um, accessible that information is when right. you were just... Well, definitely curious. don't ask an insured to show you their phone. You want to get personal with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I have to see their phone and see how quickly they get upset. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So it's it's it, there's just it's the whole thing out there, and you know. And I was when I was in Nashville, you know, I was there visiting the sick friends. We couldn't go out obviously and do things like that. So we were door dashing just about every meal that was coming in there. You know, and they had never the people I were visiting they'd never used DoorDash. So I was kind of 
teaching them how to do that and how it would just be easier for them to get meals in the house without having to depend on other people. You know, and then I start going into, they were insurance people too. So I start going into the whole insurance thing with them and they're like, oh my gosh. You know, I like, know. Yeah. yeah, I <laughs> just like, had yeah, a thought as we were talking about that, you've, you've got your apps now where insurance company can add discounts, the driver discounts. And so that, you mm-hmm. know, it tracks your GPS, your hard stops, your nighttime right. driving, all that stuff to try and get, you know, a better discount for being a good driver. As this stuff kind of evolves, I have to wonder if you add this endorsement, if a insurance company will ever be like, okay, well, if you're going to drive, we're going to need you to also install this app so we can track your use of the mm. app, you know? I mean, yeah. I'm not saying that that's out there at all, but that just popped into my head. If we've already got the platforms, the technology, the insure tech, if you will, if we've, if we've already got the platforms for already tracking where an insured even goes to decide whether yeah. or not they qualify for a discount. I mean, it's right. not that far of a stretch to be like, well, we're also going to add an app for tracking your use of your Uber app. It, exactly. And, I, you know, um, the good point with that is that I think as time goes on and more things get to the court systems and become litigated and we start seeing court cases and court decisions that are kind of guiding all of that. And the monetary value that ends up being on maybe some of those court decisions, it may be that companies are forced to do something like that so they can better understand um, what their exposure and what the risk is for insuring right. someone like that. Yeah. Yeah. And you could have specialty companies that will come out and, you know, who knows where this thing will go. Imagine the next five or 10 years if we're having this conversation. We we're like, you remember back in 20, in 2020, <laughs> we were talking about this. Oh my goodness. You know? Oh my gosh. That's how I feel right now. Do you remember five years ago when this stuff, like actually it started 10 years ago, but when it first came in yeah. and you're like, ah, that's never going to catch on. Nobody's going to do that. You know, insurance yeah. will never respond. And now we're sitting here like, uh, so that caught on quickly. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then now you also, we have the whole car sharing thing, which just kills me. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. Like this, this, that makes my, my heart, like just come out of my chest, you know, like, um, you have I mean, if we're going to share our homes, why not share our cars? <laughs> right. Right. But like, you know, I was looking at one the other day. So, you know, I went to, I was on a trip. I went, you know, to Austin for a few days and then I went over to Nashville. So my car was parked for a little over a week, you know, at the parking lot. Well, now you have this, um, a company it's called flight car to where instead of having your vehicle just parked and you know you have to pay storage the entire time is at an airport, people can come and take your car for a day or two no. or a few hours. Oh, wow. And you know, there the big thing is is you know you're doing this, you're getting paid while it's doing it, and then they will take the car before you come to back home, you know, to the airport before you fly in to come get your vehicle. They'll have your car detailed and waiting for you when you get back. Oh wow. Wow, that's interesting. I hadn't heard like, of that one yet. Yeah, so things like that, I'm just like, oh my goodness, why is that, you know, or your car is parked like you're in New York City and you, like you said, you know, you're, instead of having to pay the whole time for it to be in a garage, you know, now people are in the city, then come rent your vehicle for, for a few hours. And, you know, and, and those those things, from what I have seen, you have to be like a member of that. So, you know, like Uber and Lyft, anybody has the app, very much in a credit card can can get on but you do have to be like a qualified member to be able to be part of the car sharing um with some of the car sharing companies that are out there but still still you don't know you know and you have to leave your your keys in the car so you get your keys in the car yeah i'm sorry but my car is a lot like my my car is a lot like my cell phone it's got a lot of my stuff in it that i don't want anybody touching or looking at (laughs) oh my gosh well that's an interesting one for sure And I know insurance hasn't really caught up with endorsements that that go to sharing your vehicle yet. We've caught up with exclusions for it, but it's nowhere near close as to what the endorsements are for transportation networks out there right now. But I'm sure it's coming and, you know, it'll it'll get there eventually. Oh, Nikki, this has been such a fun conversation. I love hearing about claims um, because, like I said, it's just one of those worlds that as a CSR or a servicing agent, a account manager, a producer, we know about claims and we know how they turn out and we know how the coverage is going to apply, but you just, you kind of shut your mouth when somebody calls and says, I've got a claim because you don't want to get caught in that ENO and you sit back and you wait and see how it turns out. So I imagine I, you started by saying that claims is 
like super fun. And then um, it can also be really draining as well. And I imagine you guys have some serious fun in, in the claims department. So this has been a really fun conversation. I think we need to have some more conversations about claims because I bet you have some doozies. Yeah, I feel like I could talk to you for like the next three hours or so. But I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know if anybody, I don't know if anybody wants to sit around and listen to us talk for three hours. I don't think so, but we can break it up into several series. <laughs> so, Nikki, any other party nuggets of information, or just uh, I'm done with this. See you later. <laughs> yeah, no, you know the only thing I'll just reiterate real quick is that you know, especially on the agent side, just. The claims department depends on you guys to be our eyes and ears and to know your clients. And so we really depend on you guys to know um, who's driving, you know, in these TNCs and not to really asking those questions. We're, you know, if you're a claims professional listening to this, just understand that, you know, those questions need to be asked in any kind of accident that's going on, especially with the personal auto policy. You never know who's driving for um, for these TNCs, who's borrowing you know, sit in their car out to be borrowed or, or driving or any of that stuff. So just understand that it's out there and it is changing our world. Like on an hourly basis. Right. Not, right. Not even daily at this point. So that is great words of wisdom. I back that up wholeheartedly. I, you know, there's, if there's any soapbox that I've ever stood on, it's that the agent needs to really understand their client personally on so many different levels in so many different ways in order to really understand and make sure that their client is, is accurately covered. And if they can't cover it, then they at least know their gaps in coverage so that they can mitigate that risk themselves. Thank you so much for being on this podcast with me today. I have truly enjoyed our conversation. I love that we have laughed the entire way. I hope we get to do this again about something else or we could just keep on talking about TNC coverage. <laughs> There's a lot of crazy things out there in the world that we could talk about, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I know for sure. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, April. I'm sorry, Nikki, I'll get it eventually. <laughs> it's fine. It's absolutely fine. So but no, thanks for having me. I truly appreciate it. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for hanging around and listening to another awkward conversation in insurance. Stay tuned for new episodes from Awkward Insurance wherever you listen to your podcasts. And be sure to check out the National Alliance on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or at scic.com. Now go forth and be awkward. Toodles!